0: You're listening to Beyond Modern Medicine, a podcast with a mission to educate and spread awareness on holistic practices of medicine for your mental health and physical well-being. From Chinese medicine to psychedelics, I'll be talking to some of the greatest minds in the fields of medicine, psychology, and more to explore the mind-body connection beyond modern medicine. My name is Nadia Hassan, and I'm the founder of Zaya, a digital health platform with a mission to support individuals when making well-informed decisions when choosing holistic and integrative care. Joining with me in this episode of Beyond Modern Medicine is Rick Center. Rick is the co-founder of the Mindfulness Care Center where he's developed workshops around mindfulness, somatic experiencing, spiritual wholeness, and the resilience of our human embodied experience. He also has a mindful somatic private practice where he supports people with high levels of traumatic anxiety and PTSD, as well as grief support. His work specializes in the release of emotional congestion, physical stresses, tensions, and anxieties from accidents, repetitive stressful situations, surgeries, verbal and physical abuse, feelings of abandonment, betrayal, depression, near death states, early womb or childhood trauma, and PTSD. Rick is a mindful meditation teacher and has served as a Buddhist interfaith chaplain at San Francisco General Hospital and CPMC hospitals. He currently sits on the professional advisory board for CPMC and Sutter Health Hospitals in San Francisco. And finally, Rick is also the author of If You Can't Change Your Mood, Change Your Mind, Mindful Reflections Towards Self-Discovery. In this episode, we discuss how to reduce stress and anxiety through mindful resiliency. We also touch on how to identify your emotions and reduce negative thought patterns. We also have a little bit of time where we're able to go into a four to five minute uh, meditation practice where we learn how to reestablish a sense of safety using our senses and using our body and using our awareness And so I really hope that you enjoy this episode and that you are able to find some insight on how to calm stress and anxiety through mindful resiliency. Rick, it's a pleasure to have you join me. Um, I would love if we can just get started and you can just tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into the work that you're doing.
1: Great. Thank you for inviting me. And uh... I think you covered everything. It's like, no, I have to live up to all what you just said. That I do. Wait a minute. Do I do that much? And, and as I'm saying that, the thing is, is I'm using awareness to what I'm saying. And I, I appreciate because that's what I, I hope to allow all of us to become embodied with that awareness is I know what's happening in this moment. I'm aware of what I'm saying. I'm aware of what's on the screen. I'm aware of what's around the screen. I'm aware of my body right here. And, and so there's, which is mindfulness is, is that sense of knowing what's happening and, it's, and clearing the window, washing it and washing it. And a lot of times mindfulness and meditation, we practice and we have an idea of what it is. And often it's like, "Oh I'm not gonna I, I just can't wait to learn this meditation my I've heard so many wonderful things about it. I'm just really tired of feeling things mm-hmm. and that's not what it does it, it actually we can feel things, but it's how we interact and think about it and that's the real part of my work is our interaction with reality of the way things are. My own feelings, my own thoughts, my own body sensations, what's happening around me and putting all these things together and noticing how my mind, mindfulness is reacting almost to my thoughts. So mindfulness is really becoming aware of our thoughts and what we're thinking is how I think about myself, how I think others. And what we're doing is we're creating that narrative. And sometimes I go, it's like, oh, those narratives have to go. <laughs> and that's a narrative in itself. So if you think of we're, we're a being, we're social beings, we, you know, can be where sometimes we like more to ourselves, more out, back and forth, you know, connecting with others when we can think we're getting closer to that maybe but we've been doing it on screen but it's that awareness of what's going on it's awareness of my narrative and we only live in narratives the fact that i can talk about a narrative and become aware of my narrative and what's happening in my experiences which is my work into mindfulness and i would call it mindful somatic work Because as a long-term meditation over 30 years ago, I just started to become aware of all this and deepening it. And then people know Peter Levine's work somatic experiencing and then being a a chaplain in, in a hospital work with people and then working with all these deep traumas. It's the awareness of the body and how it wants to move through it and express itself versus be afraid be afraid and often we're afraid of the body what's this feeling oh i'm i'm shaking i'm tearing like something has happened to us maybe i don't know many of you i sometimes i've just i've been outside walking and i trip Mm -hmm. and i get myself up it's like oh who's looking You know, so, oh, there's the narrative of shame or embarrassment. Well, you have two legs. It's amazing we don't fall more. You know, animals have four. You know, most of them, we have two. But when we fall, if this makes sense, it's like I notice there's sometimes a little shakiness and my eyes get moist. And it's like, oh, I don't want to see anybody shake, moist, I don't want to be embarrassed, and I want to try to get But that actual shakiness and the teariness and a little heat just from falling. Is what the body's doing to express itself you can use the word ripples of energy to release itself to feel that I'm safe mm-hmm. and we often think there's something wrong with that if something's happening to us I'm in fear and I'm really shaking that's the body trying to deal with that energy of what's happening in the fear of the event or what's ever happening or I'm thinking about something and so what Peter Levine actually recognized in somatic experiencing is animals move and shake and they heat up and we do all that too. And somehow I found that in this world, we make a lot of that wrong or incorrect because we had to shut it down depending on our family environment. Don't you cry? You know, parents say, don't you cry in front of me? You know, if they're doing something and it's hurtful, but that tearing and crying is what we need in order to calm ourselves. Is part of the discharge. Of survival and so if we can't discharge our survival energies and know what to do we can be in fight or flight I'm always in fight a lot of my life or I'm in flight a lot of my life so one of those can begin to take over and then if I can't sure what well, am I in flight am I not can I run can I have my voice and say mom please stop you know I'm right here I'm, I'm a person but if I can't feel that I say that it only make things worse and I can't run away, we can go into freeze, tonic immobility, in, in unable to activate. And so creating where I would say mindfulness in the somatic world are really one, because my mindfulness is bringing me here into this body. It's noticing what's happening instead of judging what's happening. So when we're really practicing mindfulness, we see the conscious awareness sees judgment. And In conscious awareness, that's no, there is no judgment. It's just seeing it. So I'm building that part of myself—a muscle that is able to observe and see that. Oh, this is un, you know, this is sadness. This is fear. This is anger. This is shaking. And and so ultimately, I was talking with someone the other day. What my work is about—it's actually expanding the heart, way bigger than we ever could have imagined. This is a heart practice because when the heart is totally open to our life experience it it can hold everything it's not in judgment it's not fixing it's not comparing and it's not judging we should never compare ourselves to another person and if any of you have ever done any meditation and you're like sitting there and you're in your meditation and then all of a sudden oh my mind it just won't stop it keeps going and i wonder about everybody else so you're sitting there with your eyes closed sitting and but then your eyes open and you look over and you go, oh, look at them. They're quiet. Their eyes are closed. And you're going, oh, they're just, they're not, their mind is empty. My mind's running around. And then they're looking over at you and they're going, boy, look at that person. They're sitting there quietly and they don't know. Our minds are running around. It's the nature of thought. It was it, It's what it does. So instead of thinking when I sit and I pause and find my breath, thoughts are going to stop. I am actually recognize they they're all over the map people have heard mucky mind it's wild but if I become aware of it now I'm in the first step what I say of insight mindfulness meditation I'm becoming aware and so there's many meditations the one that I really practice is insight mindful awareness because it awakens me and it's the one that I found actually is moving more more out of suffering discontentment of life so what we're doing is we're trying to open up our wisdom factor in our work. Because if I have a disease, I have an illness, I've had a traumatic incident, what I want to do is meet it with as much wisdom as heart as I can and have compassion for myself for what I've went through versus staying stuck and why did that happen over and over and over to what I'm doing is I'm recreating and then all the feelings and sensations which just want to be expressed if they feel so much I can't so I slow down so we're building our wisdom factor so I'll read a quote from my book and it's called it says wisdom not taking personal what is not you this would be difficult because what I'm proposing takes away the sense of self We fight for and cling to this letting go may even feel like a struggle to keep from dying. Yet it's life altering. If only we could stop engaging with something that is not even who we are.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. So the first part of that is to recognize thoughts are not who we are. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Because if they were, we could control our thoughts. And I'm wondering, is anybody out there able to control your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Are you able to control this body? Yeah. You know, I, I had a teacher from Thailand. I, I did a Zen retreat and and he said, just for one minute, to be totally still, totally still for one minute. If you think you really are, you can control life or control anything, be still for one minute. No one can. You can't be, totally. mm-hmm. at some point there's movement or there's breath. So what we're breaking up in mindfulness practice What becomes resilient about it is because we're we're stepping out of the untruth we've been telling ourselves and feeding in a whole world and a whole society. And we're starting to open up to like, wow, being human isn't easy. It has feelings. It has motions. It has sensations. We affect one another. But what I'm learning is I can choose, no matter what you're saying or what's happened, how I want to be with it. And in order to say how I which when I say I can choose how I be with it means I'm talking about response. I'm not talking about control because I can't control anything anybody's going to say. And, you know, <laughs> probably all we all know that no one can control what we're going to say. And often we're living in this world of like well, they can't say that. And I remember I was working with a client one time and they were we were talking something they brought up with their partner and they and they told me something. They just told me something their partner said and we saw the anger and I saw what was coming on. So I wanted to actually deal with the body sense of what was happening with that person. So I'm tracking what's going on with them. And at the same time, what I said, they can't and they go, they can't say that to me. And I go, but wait a minute. You just told me they did say it to you. And so that's what we want to live. And we're often responding in our world throughout our day. Think about it, how I'm responding to what I want to be happening, how I want things to be. So this person wasn't responding to what their partner actually said. They were responding to the aversion of they shouldn't be saying that into the attachment of what they want to be said. They want to be hearing. So now that's how we're often responding to things. So I'm responding from my desire and my want and my dislike and ill will. I'm actually not responding to what's actually happened. And this goes back to when you were talking about illness. You know, I also recently, as I shared with you, I had a family of illness. I uh, probably started very early with illness and my parents becoming ill with cancer, my mother passing away with cancer when I was a teenager. And... All those things kind of scrambles the mind up. You know, I grew up going, you know, going to a very religious Jewish school and go, how could God do this? And so it brought into my whole question, but it started breaking apart my whole world to understand and see things versus wow, how do I be with what's happening in my family? How do I be with the diagnosis I'm having now? I can be how can this happen to me? Why is this happening to me? That's actually, it's a question that will arise in the mind, but we don't have to pick it up. We can say, what is happening? And can I have heart and compassion for myself of what is happening? And how can I find the wisdom and the best way to honor, to see, not honor it, but to say, what do I need to do to work with it? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You know, it may be a chronic illness I can't get rid of or something that is like, oh, I can, and what are the steps I need to do? So we want to use science to find out, the medical community find out what's going on, if that's how, and we want to also look at these other things, these alternative ways of why it's even here. And as we've been learning through stress and anxiety in my work through mindfulness and somatic experiencing, what we're finding is a lot of syndromes and symptoms, and this has been proven in all the studies that are going on often syndromes and symptoms, what looks like an illness or disease is not it, there's just a symptom of it. And so we want to find out what's really there, but a lot of times it's, we're overstressed, we're overanalyzing, we're trying to fix. And I actually, I even have a, where did I, looking at some of my papers. So this is really interesting. This one, because it actually talks, it was something on um, millennials strive for perfection more than past generations. This, is, uh, this was a study, and this was in USA Today. College students today strive for perfection more than previous generations, and it could be damaging to the mental health. Mm. And so when we're mental health, that means I'm sending more adrenaline, more cortisol, more energy, and I'm pushing my whole nervous system which is why mindfulness, when they're saying, actually calms stress. There mm-hmm. was, there was a, a study done in the biotech firms, one of the first studies that was done, and they had a, a group that actually did the eight-week program, and they had another group, we're going to give you the eight-week program after we do this one. And they did all these markers, even on the immune system and things like that. And the people that went through the eight-week program, the mindfulness-based stress reduction program, They actually found their immune systems lower. I mean, they were less likely to catch something. Their six days were less. They felt better for work. Their communication skills were better. And we feel better about ourselves. Because we're pausing to actually learn about ourselves, not live in how I think I am supposed to be. I'm not supposed to feel this. It should be this way. It should be that way. So now we're actually running all over and we're never pausing. And, and in time about millennials, I was teaching a mindfulness program. And, uh, and I, I think he was an engineer in tech. I live in the Bay Area of San Francisco. So there's a lot of that going around. <laughs> there's mm-hmm. a lot of that here in yeah. tech. And he just goes, I'm, I'm just overstressing myself with everything. You know, my mind's not stopping. And so he's taking the class. So after like three or four weeks and we had a little break and he walks up to me. He goes, I can't believe how different I'm just feeling and the this three or four weeks that and he goes, you know, I'm really liking that. He goes, are there some more things you can give me to do? Mm-hmm. And I just started laughing. I go, that's why you came here because you can't stop grabbing and doing more and more. And you notice it's <laughs> the stress and anxiety is causing you. It's like, just keep practicing this and watching what happens. And yeah. that, that makes, so it's like the mind's always wanting more, But we're building this muscle that's right here to pause and actually see what's going on. And so we're meeting all our conditions, emotional, and we're seeing more clarity with it, that everyone will have a different opinion than me. That's not life-threatening when you disagree with me.
2: Mm.
1: On the neurological system, if we take our nervous system, we are programmed as an animal To survive, comfort and discomfort. I need to know. I need to know if the bear is coming in. I need to be able to do that. But we're not hunter gatherers anymore. We live in cities. We go get our food. And so, what that mind of always in fear, you know, and discomfort, and I don't like anything that's not comfortable. It's like we've turned it into just people having different opinions in me. And so we don't even know how, how to come together anymore. And that's what we're trying to create, that sense of, of coming present with myself, coming present with, with others. And so I want to pause for a moment, and I just want to share whatever I'm saying is this is how Rick has interpreted his life. And so it may be different for all of you. What I'm going to share and say, take away whatever works. If it doesn't work, let it go. And so, if I talk about mindfulness, I talk about bu- Buddhism or spirituality, it's my gathering of my own way of interpreting, just as we each will. So, we don't have to grab onto what's Rick saying is like, oh, this is the ultimate truth. It's just my sharing and offering of my own reflections of life and see what works for each one of us, which is what we want to do. When we mm-hmm. share information, you know, it's just we want to acknowledge ourselves, acknowledge there. And we don't have to get so upset when we don't agree with each other. And sometimes language, we are agreeing, but language separates us because we're not using the same words. But the inner feeling tones, the energy, that's we may all be moving in the same direction.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, well, no, that's it's beautiful, everything that you've just said. I would love to... I'd love to to dive in and be a little bit um, focus a little bit on how we can use mindfulness to really identify. So, you know, the the topic of this of of this event really is is how to calm stress and anxiety through mindful resiliency, and something that I feel can be really prevalent in a lot of people is that you know we might be going through anxiety we might be going through stress and we might not even be aware of it and sometimes we might not even be aware of the cause of it we might not even be aware that our body is responding in some sort of way you know maybe digestive issues for example or you know there can be so many other um, physiological sort of symptoms that we can have when we're going through anxiety and when we're going through stressful times and so how can we use mindfulness to really identify what the cause of that is, you know, I think that if we're constantly in this sort of um, go, go, go state, you know, we don't even, we don't even. How can we catch ourselves to take a step back? You know, I think that's kind of the the difficulty sometimes for a lot of people is, and myself, you know, even sometimes it's just how can we learn how to catch ourselves in that moment to just take a step back and meditate, use mindfulness in a way that we can connect back to why we're feeling a certain way, why we're feeling icky, why we're maybe not sleeping at night, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, well, I think, thank you for that, you know, that question. Because the first part is to recognize mindfulness is not a solid noun. Mm. You have to think of mindfulness as a verb, so it's always in movement, it's in awareness. And so it's like what you're saying is why do we want to do the meditation? We want to slow down enough to be able to recognize when the mind calms through a meditation practice. And so it's called a practice. It's not called something that I obtain. I don't obtain mindfulness. I don't obtain meditation. I practice these things. And so it's like building a muscle. You know, an athlete, you know, they practice something over and over, so it's like the muscle knows what to do it. And so to start to be aware can take a lot of work if I'm just living in all the thoughts of my mind and chasing them. And so you have to build the muscle to where it's just, it automatically happens at times. If I'm on here right now as I'm talking, I can feel my legs. I'm sitting cross-legged. I can feel my legs. I can feel my butt. So everyone here, just take a moment and just like notice where your feet are. And you may even want to rub your feet if you want, depending how you're sitting, or rub your arms on your legs or your arms. But as you're doing that, don't think about what's going on three blocks down the street or what you have to do later. If you do this with me, everybody do this with me. And then just allow your eyes to close. And just notice the breath at the tip of your nose, the air. So we notice breathing because there's air moving out of the tip of our nose, inhaling and exhaling. And just allow that to come down to maybe noticing the chest and the belly on an inhalation, how it has a sense of rising, filling up. And on the exhalation, there's a release, letting go. And just like, oh, let me notice that for a moment. So even though I'm saying, let me notice breathing for a moment from the tip of the nose to deep in the belly, on and off, thoughts will still come in. And it's like, oh, I just, I don't have to engage with it. I can notice a thought instead of blaming it or thinking I'm doing something wrong. I'm aware of the human nature of the mind are thousands of millions of thoughts all day long. And so I allow that observation, that person that can notice breathing. So I'm in charge, not my thoughts. And then, as you're sitting, noticing the breath, allow that awareness to come to your hands, through your arms to your hands now. And notice the fingers, the fingertips, are they warm, is it warm, cool? tingly, and then allow the sensation of the fabric you're touching. Like, be curious. What's it like? Have I ever paused to fill the shirt that I'm wearing right now? Like, what's the fabric like? Is it cool? Is it warm? Is it smooth? Coarse? Rough? Is it wet? Is it dry? And then just breathe with that awareness for a moment. And then allow that awareness to expand to your feet and your toes. Oh, toes, what are you doing right now? And your mind have a sense of a, a tingling. It's kind of like, it almost feels like a cool warmth. I can feel my feet and my legs, the, where they're touching the connection to the ground. So there's a pressure. The pressure can help me sense into my calf and my thigh and my knee. Bringing it up through my hips where there's weight and pressure where I'm sitting. I might notice the right and left side actually are different. For me, they are. They, they don't always feel the same. Coming up through the torso, the arms, you know, awareness of my shoulders and my jaw. And then allow yourself to be aware of smell for a moment. You know, our nose needs to let us know if there's fire or gas. So if we say the consciousness of smell, if we look at that as also conscious awareness, it keeps us safe. This this is actually, we built this part in of our, or, we're an organism. It lets me know whether I'm safe. Animals are always smelling. They smell each other to know whether it feels safe to them or not. So the nose for me is letting me know, oh, I'm safe. I'm orienting to the actual moment I'm in. And come to your mouth for a moment. Notice what's in the mouth. You may notice different flavors. Could be neutral. But if you ever had a time where you put something in your mouth and you actually spit it out, it goes the other way. Because the mouth knew, consciousness of the mouth knew something didn't feel right about that. So that's present moment awareness. In this moment, I'm not tasting anything poisonous. I'm okay. I'm safe. Smell. Let me know I'm safe. I can sp- expand to sound. And let your ears just take in sounds coming and going. Could be sounds inside the body or outside the body. You know, if the Huns are outside my window beating the drums, I need to know that. I'm going to say, okay, they're about to attack. If I hear a growl behind me, I need to know that. So animals like deer in the woods, their ears, they're always twitching. They're moving to keep themselves safe. They have to be able to pick up sounds to know. So the ears, my ears are letting me know I'm safe. There's nothing that I'm having to worry about in this moment. Even if people were arguing outside my window, it doesn't mean I'm not safe. I just may be discomforted of people arguing. And then check back into your body, your hands, your buttocks, your feet. Are you on a bed of nails, hot coals? Being in San Francisco, are we having an earthquake? Is the body letting me know in this exact moment, am I okay? And then find your breath as you're breathing. Notice the breathing of the body, inhaling and exhaling. And then letting the arms come down. And then as we open our eyes back up, let your eyes orient to your room, or wherever you're at, to the shapes, the colors, whatever it's seeing. And the eyes let us know whether we're safe. Really, they let us know what's going on. They orient us. So we went through our five senses of real time in the body. Letting know in the exact moment. It's not about the past. It's not about the future. It's actually about the present moment. That's mindful awareness of orienting to the somatic sense body. And my eyes let me know if I was a deer, I might hear something and I'll look over and, and if I see the wolf or the lion, I know, okay, I have to get ready to go into fight or flight. But if I don't see anything, it could just be the rustling of wind. I can continue eating. We are the same way, but we disregard our whole sense of present moment. And we live in our thoughts. And anxiety and stress is just a word, S-T-R-E-S-S, A-N-X-E-T-Y, those are words. But if I'm aware, if I'm feeling stress, oh, it's a tight chest, or an achy belly, I say, oh, what do you need? Something's happening, I'm feeling stress, so I can bring awareness and say, okay, chest, I'm here, and that's actually what I do. And the chest says, thank you for acknowledging me. That's the key aspect. We need to acknowledge what we're feeling, not think I shouldn't be feeling this. That is what leads to the anxiety and the stress. I shouldn't be feeling this. If you shouldn't be feeling this or having that emotion, it wouldn't actually be happening.
2: Mm. It
1: is happening, and we're learning what it means to live as an organic body instead of a creative idea of what I think an organic body and human being should be. We live in an idea of what we think we should be versus actually exploring the experience of what we are.
0: Mm,
1: I think so powerful. yeah how do I want to meet it so now as you look around and you have sight smelling, hearing taste and touch notice what you're experience your whole experience is like now versus maybe 15 minutes before you got on onto the internet here I was going to say it's called run the run the world thing i'm used to using zoom <laughs> notice and then when we started talking it's like i felt all this energy talking i go rick i said we need to slow down mm. i didn't know when that was going to happen but was i in the day's question i was able to slow i answered and i said i need to slow down and maybe everyone else needs to slow down too would be nice mm. so notice is my experience different and i can ask anyone Please, is your experience, maybe it's the same, but is it different than it was 15 minutes ago, 10 minutes ago?
0: Yeah, if you if you feel that way, feel free to um, type it in the chat. There's also a really great option. There's something called um, hold the mic, and you can have the opportunity to speak if you'd like to share your experience. That would be really insightful for, I think, a lot of us. So um yeah if you'd like to do that i think that if anybody would like to share in the meantime i think that something that you're saying is just very powerful i feel one of the the biggest things that i'm hearing from you is how mindfulness can really help us reestablish a sense of safety and and how i think that you know when we are in this state of 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 fear you know, in, in this state of um, almost self-preservation, uh, you know, there's this, this feeling that I might not survive. It's just this human instinct in us. It's a biological yeah. response.
1: Yeah, and, and that's what I'm trying to get to. We, we that the, the fact that we don't like uncomfortableness, and I always want pleasure. And I think, well, why I should always have pleasure, because that's what I want. But it's not possible in a body of survival. Oh. Oh, yes. and, and so we have to recognize there's feeling, tones, and sensations, because I need to know if I'm actually about to be attacked. Mm. I, so I need to know if something really actually is happening in this present moment that's really there versus my idea of creating a future. So we're trying to create harmony and balance, which is by doing the exercise. And you could do this in 30 seconds. You could do it for five minutes. You can spend a half hour. Someone had a question. So it's like that when I, I have a, a mindfulness body scan meditation that you know we practice in our program, it's a half hour long. And
2: mm-hmm. we're
1: practicing how to be aware of the body. And the more awareness I have, my mind wants to go to Mars, like, what's happening? I don't like this, there's discomfort. But if I be aware of the body, I come back here, I'm not going to Mars. So then I can start checking out, saying hello to my body parts. Oh, breath, belly, you just need some love. And I say, you've got everybody here. Your whole body, arms and legs, Mother Earth is here, you're not alone. And, and I, I have had back, I've had to do that with my back because I crashed in gliding years ago. So my spine and back can act up and I say, oh, you're not alone. And it just says, "Oh, thank you, Rick." And I realize that there's other parts of my body, and and it's not that the necessity the pain goes away, but it subsides on a level where I'm not adding to it from my mind anymore. I'm not adding a second level of suffering.
0: Mm-hmm. So Melanie,
2: wait. hi. 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 So I just wanted to share this morning, um, I'm in my office at work, but um, so I'm a caseworker and a peer support trainer, um, peer support provider, but um, I have pictures on my wall um, of my family because it's my office here. And um, this morning I was just kind of glancing off to the side, didn't even realize I was looking at the pictures, but I have a second monitor kind of in front of the pictures. And there's a picture of me and my son, and my son died a little over five years ago, and so I immediately felt the tension when I, um, you know, when I saw that out of the corner of my eye earlier, I immediately felt the stress and I just kind of ignored it and went about what I was doing. Um, so when we just did this mindfulness activity and you said to open your eyes, I looked around my office and I looked at my pictures. And when I got to the picture of my son and I, I didn't have that anxiety and I didn't, I didn't feel that. So I certainly support mindfulness and I I can tell you that it definitely works. And I try to be mindful, especially being a trainer, you know, for peer support providing. But, um, I just wanted to share that that it can even be that quick. It can happen that quick. So,
1: yeah, thank you. And you know, my heart goes to you, you know, for your son. Thank you. And, And, and what I want to share, what the tightness doesn't have to be stress. When I look at the picture and and we see your child, what I'm also seeing is like, oh, I have a caring heart. What I'm seeing is you have a caring heart, which means I'm tearing. My throat gets tight and it's because I care, but it's stressful if I think it shouldn't be happening. Right. (laughs) See what I'm saying? Or it's anxiety if I think it should be happening. But if we think about it, it's like, oh, I'm feeling this because I care. He's never left your heart. He's never left your thoughts. And that's, that's the sweetness yeah. of yeah. your love. And it's like, never want to give that up. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? So it's like, oh, wow, I'm crying. And I got tight because I saw his picture. And I had calmed down and I care. And say, like, oh, this is what caring feels like. And then I just invite it in and say, oh, eyes, do what you want. (laughs) And what happens when you say, eyes, I'm just going to sit here and observe. I don't need to figure it out. It's not wrong or right that I care. And what happens? So just take a moment. What's it like to just pause and say, eyes, do what you want, throat and belly. I'm here. I can even put my hand on my heart. And body, you just feel what you want because I'm going to be with my love that I have for my son, that caring. Yeah. To see what happens. And what do you, what's even happening right now is I'm just sharing this with you. Is anything changing? Yeah.
2: I, I do a mindfulness activity with my son. Um, I had a friend that taught me that. And it's a very real moment where I can feel very close to him. It's just sometimes when it comes out of the blue. It will. It triggers me and I. I don't want to cry because I'm busy doing something else. You know, I'm actually teaching a class on grief tonight and I'm trying to get into right. space. And so, um,
1: May I ask you a question though. Yeah, so of course. You just bring the mind back in this moment when you just hang out with the tear and you say, Oh, this is what a caring heart feels like. Tear yeah. And heart. And then you said you felt a tightness and, and just bringing awareness to your body in the chair. And just acknowledging yourself, what begins, what happens when just slowing down—not the narratives, right—but just the energy, the the energetic ripples of muscle tissue. What's happening when I just ignore? Oh, this is what it feels like to care. That's great. Thank you. What, what do you know? Can you can you describe to us what you're experiencing physiologically?
2: I, I feel kind of flushed. <laughs> Um yeah, I feel um like my arms feel super warm right now. Um and I just I feel just kind of flushed, a little bit embarrassed, but I know that I know it's okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. I know, that it's normal.
1: Right. So what I want to I'm
2: say judging that.
1: <laughs> yes. So thank you for what I want to say to people and for you to everyone, that heat is a discharge. That's actually what we want to have happen. And so I can say, oh, heat. And You're here. I'll just pay attention to you. You do what you want. And I'm just going to feel my my butt on my chair. And I'll watch the heat for a moment. It's actually the body knowing what to do to help us feel better. Instead of blaming it or even saying it's embarrassing, it's just heat that's better (laughs) yeah do you see that it changes it's that fast that we don't recognize it because we're so busy judging fixing comparing trying to make something out of and instead of actually just acknowledging energy of the body that it has a wisdom to know what to do and this is the key aspect of trauma work and grief work is trauma work something that's happened to us either physically sexually emotionally psychologically we don't understand when we can become here in the body and just see it in the body it starts to settle it's like we come back into harmony it's like there's a sweetness we come back to the sweet spot we're in homeostasis and if you spell stress backwards does anybody know what stress spelled backwards is desserts we're in the sweet spot (laughs) all this work is about coming back into harmony i can't come back into harmony if i'm constantly in my intellect Mm. my intellect looks for something to make it right why i'm feeling this way or whatever but wisdom is beyond intellect heart wisdom chitta which is chitta the word which i really like in western society we divide everything but if we say chitta, that means I'm talking about my heart, which includes my body and my mind and my thoughts. I'm bringing those two together as one. They're not separate. Thank you. Yeah. So, well, thank you for, for sharing this and doing the work that you're doing to help others and, you know, and your heart and, and being open and vulnerable with all of us. Thank you. Thank you.
0: <laughs> thank you, Melanie. <laughs>
1: So, so we're looking at um how to bring all this together we so, have a few
0: questions is yeah. it do we have time for that okay great So uh, the first question that we had is, so when we were going through, right after we were done with the exercise, someone asked, is there a minimum period of time we should do that exercise
1: for? Yeah, I saw that question, which is, I I think I tried to answer when I was talking. It's like when you practice and you practice more and more, and again, I've been doing this for over 30 years and then getting deeper and learning from different, I've had just great teachers, clinicians, all these Mm -hmm. things. And I've tried to, build. it's like I can catch it in almost like 30 seconds. I can go through sight, smell, and hearing, taste and touch. But I might want, if I'm learning it, to just spend time with sound. Just do sound meditation and just notice the sounds inside the body, outside the body. And then do body scan, which I'm saying we do it a half hour. So there's no right or wrong. It's not as solid, it's just how you're practicing and how much time you have in the moment. So just let everything be open, be curious.
0: Okay. And then we have another question. How can mindfulness be useful in sleeping difficulty?
1: Well, um, one way to do it is, is I can be aware of where my body is. And like, I don't know, it's like sometimes we can get up in the middle of the night, you know, and I go to, the, I go to his bathroom and I come back And I notice sometimes it's like, oh my God, (laughs) thoughts just like they start raining in and then I can get back (laughs) on bed, maybe you know and fall asleep. But if I get up and I know go to the bathroom, something I practice, I notice the feeling I I feel the weight and pressure of my feet. And I go to the I come back to bed, then I can fill the sheets. So what we want to do is fill the sheets, fill the pillow, noticing Mm. the breathing. Um so these are ways that it, it helps the mind slow itself down. And it, sometimes it takes a while. When I go into a meditation retreat, and even with long-term teachers in my monastic community, I sit with long-time monks. And when we go into a long retreat, it's like sometimes it takes us a couple of days to even start to get that mind slowing down more and more, becoming more aware of the thoughts and getting more in touch because we're, we're going to a very different level. But even just, you know, if we sit for 15 minutes, give yourself time. And the fact that I can notice the thought, I can come back to the body. Mm. So that's where when you can come back to the body and feel coolness of the sheets or the warmth, the moving of the breath, that is mindfulness. And then if a thought comes up, we were talking, it's like, wow, it was a difficult day. I had an emotion. Maybe I just, oh, wow, that was tough. I felt sadness. I felt frustration. I was anger. Oh, the mind's running around and I could say, oh, have compassion for, for what went on today, I can send myself a little kindness for a tough day at work. And, and they say, oh, kindness, you're here. Mm.
0: And just
1: let that move through my body a little bit. So it's a, it's a practice. These things just don't come. You know, it happens for me. Sometimes the mind just doesn't want to be quiet. And mm. I say, oh, oh, an unquiet mind is like this. And so I'm actually noticing the, I have a, one of my teachers, one of them, the monks who inspired me the most, you go, it's like this. And it's like, oh, it is like this. Whatever's happening is like this. And when I acknowledge this, it can actually help. Oh, my mind's running around. I'm trying to sleep and it's like this. And then I can start, oh yeah, it is. Yeah, running mind. And then I can just breathe with running mind.
0: Mm-hmm. It's really having compassion towards yourself in those moments. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: We, we definitely need that were there any other questions yeah,
0: yeah. so uh, another question this is a good question how can we be mindful allies and encourage others experiencing stress and anxiety to use mindfulness as a tool
1: um, there's there's a couple things on that the thing is practice yourself stop trying to fix other people mm that's the key. We become the conduit and people can resonate with our own calm. It's not saying we can't have these discussions, but it's like even mindfulness people that start to practice, meditate mindful a couple months and they start to feel different. Now they're the expert telling everybody what to do. Mm. And what I found is I can become what I want to be. So it's like my intentions. Can I be a kind person? Can I be present? And I can build on that, and so people can see and feel that in me, and then we we admire it. so if you want to help someone be more embodied and be more present, be it yourself, and they will pick that up at some point and then you can, or you can just share your practice, say, "Oh, here's what I'm doing, here's what I've learned," and then you let go, whatever you share, you let go, don't get upset if they don't even want to listen to you. That's their journey. And they don't have to listen to you. But if someone wants to, which is why I said, whatever I'm sharing here today, you know, some people may be hearing it and say, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm never listening to this guy, Rick, again. He doesn't know what the heck he's saying. That's gonna happen. Or someone said, this is great. I love what he's saying. So hear it, but don't attach to it. Practice it yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole idea is we want to practice it ourself. So a little thing. So on um, meditate. Meditation is not about not having feelings. That is called not wanting, which is a suppression or depressing, a pushing away. Emotions have a natural movement in the neurology of our body that comes and goes. They are part of us and having a healthy relationship to the ups and downs of life. If we stay attached to a narrative that does not want and push feelings down, This could be a huge cause of why humans feel depressed and hurt one another. We suppress so much that we become fearful and uncomfortable with anything or anyone that does not make us feel better. So the word heart includes the word ear. In order to heal the hurt, which is you are, we need to listen and lean in. How we lean, how we learn, or we learn how to listen to ourselves, the discomforts within us, we lean in and meet with our heart, the ear of listening, I'm listening to me, that offers kindness and compassion. The more I develop these qualities and attributes, I become more skillful in my own actions. Others will pick that up naturally. We're so busy telling others what to do so I'll feel better. That's the key. We don't like discomfort, it goes to survival, it goes to death. That is, to me, the undertone of our whole being. is actually understanding we come from that nervous system of a spine, and we develop from there an emotional and then our frontal lobes trying to make sense of everything. But if I've never learned how to be with that, which is why we need resonance with the parents to connect, and if we haven't had that kind of bonding, we have to build it in as an adult. Mm. So,
0: right. Well, we have just a few more minutes before we end. So, if you have any more questions, feel free to ask those.
1: And yeah, can I ask a question? So. Um, you're welcome. Are you able to put into a chat mindfulnesscare.org my the um,
0: Yes, definitely.
1: So my the website of my nonprofit, which I'm the co founder of is mindfulnesscare.org. Everyone can go there. Um, I do a Sunday morning meditation at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And I actually have a friend in Madeira who sits with us. It's 5 o'clock usually there. So in Europe, we do a 9 o'clock meditation. You're welcome to join us. I know we do a Tuesday evening one that will probably be – we do one at 7. And I do a grief and loss group, but you can find out more. You're welcome to – anybody, if you need to get in touch with me, it's Rick. Can you type that in? Or, do you mind?
0: Yeah, I, definitely. I'm not sure and how to also, use this
1: new no. <laughs> So it's RIK at, R- at oh, So it's Rick. I spell my name Rick. RIK at mindfulnesscare.org. Anyone is welcome to, you know, message me. You know, if you want, you can join a, a group if I can be of help. You know, some people, I know we're limited here on all the, all the, uh, questions we can get we can do here and you can join our meditation on Sunday I think in Europe and America that time works and we can all sit together and and what we're doing is we're learning how to open our heart this all is about because we have difficulties in life illnesses hurts pains betrayals how do we open our heart to start with ourselves mm-hmm. that it's so difficult and that if, if I stay trapped in my own little box, I'm actually hurting others and maybe don't even know it. And I don't even know it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Could you just repeat one more time what, uh, what time your meditation is?
1: It's, it's um, 9 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. We go from 9 to 10.30. We sit for about a half hour. I do a reflection, question and answers, and discussion. And we're all sharing our journey together, learning together which is what I like to do. I'm learning from everybody. You know, people that ask me questions actually make me pause to learn and, you know, what's happening, you know, for me in that. Mm -hmm. So I can try to answer it as wisely as I can and learn from my own answer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm practicing all this. Like all all of you are, I'm not sitting here. You know, my expertise is I have to practice and be aware like everybody else because I can goof up, you know, I can goof up and, and I would like to end with a poem. When just right before we end, I'd like to share. I don't is there anything else. Yeah.
0: yeah so, uh, so first, I guess I just want to, before we close off with the poem, um, I would just like to say that I will be sharing all of Rick's information again: the website, the email, as well as um, the times that you can join the mindfulness meditations that he offers. Uh, I'll be sending all of that out in an email so you guys can get that. And also um, we will be having another event next next month uh, on april twenty second, which is a Thursday, same time as this time, so which is uh, seven seven pm GMT London time. And I'll be also speaking with um, Kitty Rose, and she is a holistic mindset, and she's a social worker, so a holistic mindset coach and a, uh, a social worker, and she'll be speaking about managing Lyme disease holistically, so using a holistic approach to manage Lyme disease. So it it will be a really great event and a discussion for everyone, and um, so including those who are maybe in a clinical practice as well as those who are currently diagnosed with. Uh, Lyme disease and so that'll be a great event and that will be next month on April 22nd so if you'd like to visit that you can check out our website I just sent out a link and you can click the link in our events and you can register again through there it'll be the, it'll also be on this platform as well um, so yeah yeah great thank you so much everybody and go ahead I would love for you to finish with your poem <laughs>
1: well thank you for inviting me I just put my book I think that it show up in the chat. Yes. yes. He said you could order my book. And if you can't change your mood, change your mind. And Mm -hmm. um, I have so many poems I could read. I I am becoming more of a poet. I know, I believe. But I'll read this one. This one I actually wrote um, a few weeks ago. And it's called Might That Be Wonderful. Yesterday I was foolish. Today I'm letting go. All this me-making, all this my-making has tired me out. Why not dance right here? Why not pray right here? Why not drop to my knees? Why not meditate? Why not laugh? Why not kiss the earth? Why not ask for forgiveness? Yesterday, I was foolish. Today, the windows are opened. The arrival of wisdom is welcomed. Might that be wonderful? Might that be wonderful? Mm, I
0: love that. Yeah. I love that so much. And you sent that to me as well and oh. just it came to me you sent it to me on the perfect day it was exactly when i needed to read it so thank you so much for all of your insight rick honestly this truly has been very very insightful and valuable and just just very precious in itself and thank you once again melanie i don't know if you're still here but i just want to say thank you so much for sharing your experience mm-hmm. um and i wish you the very best and as well as everyone else who's joined here thank you so much for coming and for for asking questions and for really engaging. And again, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. My email is Nadia at ZayaMed.com. Put it in the chat. And then again, you can also just check out our website and uh, learn more about what we're doing. And yes, thank you again. And I hope to see all of you at the next event. So thank you.
1: Yeah, thank you, everyone. Yeah, thank you.
0: Thank you, Rick. Thank you. All right. That was calming stress and anxiety through mindful resiliency with Rick Center. I hope that you were able to get exactly what you needed from this episode and I would love to hear your feedback and to hear your stories and any sort of requests if there's a topic that you'd like me to talk about or someone that you would like me to interview please feel free to reach out to me. My email is Nadia, that's N-A-D-E-Y-A, at ZayaMed.com. You can also check out our website at ZayaMed.com. That's Z-A-Y-A-M-E-D.com. And if you'd like to learn more about Rick Center, who was our guest speaker in this episode, you can visit his website at mindfulnesscare.org. All right. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to sharing more content with you. Until next time, take care of yourselves out there.